Welcome back to Live Vedanta, a podcast about simple living and high thinking. When faced with difficult decisions, how can we be confident we are making the right choices? In this episode of Bhagavad Gita 101, Vikji teaches us how to navigate tough decisions. Hariyom and greetings from Niagara Falls. Whenever you leave your work incomplete, you feel incomplete. If you're trying to wash the dishes and you're called to do some other work, that's left incomplete, so you feel incomplete. If you go to the theater to watch a movie and you end up falling asleep, that's left incomplete, you feel incomplete that you invested time and money, and there's no completion to that. When you're writing an exam and you run out of time, that's left incomplete, you feel incomplete. Humans are the greatest facet of creation. Being born a human opens up a new dimension of grace and greatness. And one aspect of that is that we can finish dharma. Only humans can complete dharma. And when our unchanging responsibility is checked off, we realize or feel our infinite nature. We feel complete. Our course is themed, is named Applied Gita. Applied equals complete. When we apply Gita, our work will not be left incomplete. Our work will be complete, and we will feel complete once and for all. In the month of October, we're focusing on applied Gita in deciding. How to decide our profession, how to decide our relationship, how to decide whether to react or to respond. And the first shloka we studied this month was focusing on the long term. We should decide based on the long term. Smart businesses, astute corporations, they will assess a country's political risk before they ever do business in that country. Think about what's happening in Britain right now with Brexit, or apparently there's going to be a Brexit. There's a political risk. And those who think long-term, perhaps they could have felt that this was going to happen. And so all of a sudden, the agreements with the EU are subject to change. One's whole business or corporation can crumble. Think long-term. The next shloka we explored was about processing. To input, process, output. This is us evolving to what chit is. Chit we know to be awareness, at least intellectually. So be aware. 
It's very easy to say that. It is hard to practice that. So tuning into chit feels like this. Firstly, you simplify. The more you're tuned into awareness, the simpler your lifestyle becomes. The evolution of simplicity is you begin to care about all that remains in your life. Your dishes, your car, your friends. You're careful then. The evolution of caring is to be focused. Other people are talking, other people are distracted. You are focused on your dharma, you're focused on your own thoughts. And then naturally the evolution of focus is to be aware. That's what chit fully is. This is what we had explored in the last shloka. Shraddhavan labate jnanam. We continue. Suppose I'm thinking long term. Suppose I'm vigilant. Input, process, output. Some decisions are more difficult than other decisions. Some decisions are more subtle than other decisions, what do you do when you have to make a tough, subtle decision? This is explored in chapter 4, Shloka 34. And really, I should just complete our prayer right now because you've already given full discourses on this Shloka. Yes? I will offer a discourse only to confirm what I know through your sharing. How about that? Please repeat after me. Chapter 4, verse 34. Tadvidhi pranipatena Tadvidhi pranipatena Pariprashnena sevaya Pariprashnena sevaya Upadekshanti te jnanam Upadekshanti te jnanam Jnani nastatva darshinaha Jnani nastatva darshinaha This shloka is the seed for Viveka Chudamani. The whole scripture that is Viveka Chudamani, which is probably Acharya Shankara's largest in quantity, the seed for that is this shloka. So what is being shared? When you have a difficult, subtle decision to make, vidhi, know that. Know that you will be able to make this decision. Know that you will appreciate who you are and what you can do through pranipatena. Pranipatena means prostrating. Each quarter I'm going to open up and when all of the quarters are put together like a puzzle, this will be clearer. Prostration, according to Acharya Shankara in Shiva Manasa Puja should be Sashtanga. Sa Ashtanga, which means with eight limbs. If you lie flat, <laughs> on your chest, not on your back. <laughs> That's how I prostrate. <laughs> on your chest, with your hands extended, 
Seven parts of your body will be touching the ground, and the eighth would be your forehead or your mind. This is not physical only. This is a physical reminder to mentally respect whom you're prostrating to. Pranipatena also has a technical definition, which I love to think about. It's, it's love-filled and humorous. Pranipatena is when you prostrate like this. Okay, you can all see my hands. One hand you put on top of the feet to whom you're prostrating, and the other hand you put under their feet. Now why? Think about this logically. You put the hand on top, so they don't leave. <laughs> and you put the hand underneath, so you don't leave. <laughs> They're not going to go anywhere, so you don't have to worry about putting your hand on top. And don't put your hand underneath. You're going to make that person lose their balance. It's a feeling that may you always remember me, and I will also remember you. Prostration is a form of respect. And where there's respect, there's an openness. As an example, if you disrespect me, then you're just sitting there right now. If you moderately respect me, you're only hearing key words. If you fully respect me, you're connecting all of the dots. You're, you're not just listening, but you're reflecting on how do I apply this, how do I apply this, how do I apply this. So there's a gauge for you about how open you are, how much prostration is happening, even virtually. After that, we go deeper. Pari prashnena. This word pari means complete, fully. Prashna means questioning. So whatever's on your mind, you should just ask it. You should tweet it, you should email it, you should Facebook message it. Don't wait. As soon as it's on your mind, just send it out there. That's what Pariprashnena means, yes? The best way to understand what fully questioning means is to study a text called Prashna Upanishad. How many of you have studied Prashna Upanishad before? Okay, I see one hand. He's read it. I don't know about studying it. <laughs> In Prashnopanishad, students come to the school. The shishas come to the ashram. And they've come to ask the acharya questions, questions about happiness and life. And the guru shares with all of them, you live here for one year, and then you ask that question. And if I know the answer, I'll answer. <laughs> That's quite risky, no? To be somewhere for a year, and this person's not even guaranteeing that they're going to answer that question for you. Padi Prashnena means you put in your maximum effort to let go of doubts to let go of doubts. You've put in that effort, 
where your the holes in your mind are plugged in so that when the answer comes it doesn't leak out so prostration is at the body level reflecting is at the mind level always uh, remember prashna upanishad whenever you're fired up and you have this question have you ensured that you are doubtless about the question? And I feel 95% of the time, you will find the answer yourself, if you reflect like that. But our society is not like that anymore, correct? We're impulsive. And that's why we find less utility with Vedanta. We have to keep on diluting it, because it requires time. Revolutions are fast. Revolutions happen outside. Evolution is slow. Evolution happens inside. And for those who lack patience, there's no utility in this. I don't experience, experience this in a day or a year. Then it's the scripture, it's the speaker who is uh, weak. Sevaya. Sevaya is to serve. How should you serve? When Vyasa eats, we don't feed him what he wants to eat. We feed him what we want him to eat. Yes? Because biologically, nutrition-wise, we most definitely know more than our two-and-a-half-year-old son. He feels and says otherwise, but that's not the truth. Service should be what the guru wants for you, not what you want for yourself or for the guru. Please understand that distinction. This is called, sevaya can be replaced by the word upasana. Upa means near. Asana means sit. When you sit near the guru, you come to understand and appreciate what the guru is seeing. Now that's only possible through having that reverence. Okay, I'm going to add another word here. If prostration is respect, reflection is love. When respect and love come together, what is that called? Reverence. And reverence is at the intellect level. Someone who has a reverential intellect is letting go of what they want and is focusing on whom they're worshipping, whom they're trying to understand and appreciate, what they want. And I'll give you one more um, reference to this. When Bhagavan Krishna completes studying at Rishi Sandipani's Gurukula, what does Bhagavan Krishna ask Rishi Sandipani? He asks him, what dakshina should I give? And Rishi Sandipani is so elevated. He's grateful that he's able to think and speak on Vedanta, but he knows that his wife has different needs. So he says to Bhagavan Krishna, you ask your mother. And Rishi Sandipani's wife says, bring my son back to life. That their son was drowned. Bhagavan Krishna went and brought their son back to life. And the implication here is, 
when it comes to dakshina, we give what we want. We don't give what the guru wants or what the guru wants for us. Yes? That's why we have standards. $101, right? That's our standard. That's our dakshina. But it's become so business-like. And really, that's a sign of lack of reverence or self-absorbed. So there's a lot to think about in this uh, verse. Okay, first line is covered. We go to the second line. Upadekshanti te jnana. You want to be able to make a decision. You want to know the truth. The one who knows how to make decisions, the one who knows the truth, will diksha, will train you on how to. More important than what to think is how to think. That is priceless training to be able to learn how to think. Learning what to think is context-based. Learning how to think is content-based. As an example, for all of our students in college, suppose you have an exam to write on Monday. So you study over the weekend, you pretend to study over the weekend, you write your exam on Monday, and you do well. You get an A, you get 85%. Suppose on Tuesday, your professor surprises you and gives you the exact same exam. What does your mark become then? 85 goes to 65. The 65 goes down to 45, correct? Because what we learn in college is what to think. It is context-based. And so we memorize. We become familiar with terms. But in the Gurukula, you learn how to think so that things aren't kept external, they're internalized. You learn how to think with your spouse, you learn how to think with your in-laws, you learn how to think with the neighbors, you learn how to think with people who are superior to you and people who are subordinates to you. You become a, a machine that uh, can handle any condition, any environment then. How to think. And sharing this in a more rememberable way, what does WWW stand for? And if any of you right now are verbalizing World Wide Web, do you really think I would be asking you that right now? <laughs> Clearly, I've not taught you how to, th how to think then. Clearly, you're still training, getting trained in what to think. It is what would the wise do? What would the wise do? When you have that difficult, subtle decision to make, visualize whom you deem wise. Visualize the Guru Shisha Parampara. What factors would they account for? How would they commit to this? What would they say no to? What would the wise do? And that leads us to the last quarter these jnanis, these decision makers, those who know the absolute, they have seen what we've not seen. 
And so they can guide us in a way that no one else can guide us. Okay? And I'll share some explanations to all of this. What does avatara mean? What does avatar mean? Now everyone got it. <laughs> avatara means avatarati. The one who, you know, in simple English, the one who descends. The more philosophical import is the one who manifests. Okay, there's a difference. When we say one who descends, we go back into our condition, conditioning that God lives in heaven, which is really the clouds, and comes down to earth, which is really sad, and everyone is fighting, and we have those conditions. And that means I have to die to go from, let's say, earth or hell to heaven. But when we share that Bhagavan manifests, pragatayati, I think that's the word, when Bhagavan Rama is born, he's not born in a traditional way, in an anatomical way, he just appears. That shows that heaven and hell and earth are right here. That shows that the creator and creation are not different. So avatara is the one who manifests. In Sanatana Dharma, we have four categories of avatars. Okay? Please do your best to remember this, to write this, because I know some of us have confusions, and if you speak to someone else who's confused, they will confuse you. <laughs> So one type of avatara is known as a karma avatara. I'll list them and then explain some more. Another is known as a jnana avatara. Another is a viveka avatara. And the fourth, and this is the one that I want to focus on, is a dharma avatara. Karma, Jnana, Viveka, Dharma. A Karma Avatara is when the Creator manifests in creation to do some particular work and then unmanifests. An example is Bhagavan Varaha. When God appears as a boar to lift the earth from drowning, Varaha is a Karma Avatara comes, goes. There's no more uh, remembrance of Bhagavan Varaha in Srimad Bhagavatam as an example, once that work is complete. A Jnana Avatara is when the Creator manifests in creation as a enlightened being. They are in tune with that Jnana. They know who they are, they know what they can do. And such jnana avatars, they tend, <coughs> they tend to be different than the rest. They tend to be outside of society. An example of that is Bhagavan Dattatreya. He's a jnana avatara. He's born enlightened and lives enlightened. And it's very difficult for people like us to relate to Bhagavan Dattatreya. I said different on the outside of society. The third is a Viveka Avatara. 
when the Creator manifests in creation to teach people, to teach people that creation and Creator are one, to teach people and leave a legacy so that when they're not manifest, there's still teachings that can bring about this oneness. An example of this is Rishi Kapila. Rishi Kapila is a Viveka avatar. He enlightened his mother, which is too cool. And I, I like this shloka. We can go on and on with this. What is the greatest gift you can give your parents? Or anyone you're related to? Now I know you're all going to say, the greatest gift we can give our parents is for us, for them to not have to worry about, them, about us, right? And that's a fine response, but I'll go deeper. The greatest gift you can give to those people who are related to you is to be enlightened. Be free. And the reason for that is an enlightened person takes with them many, 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 and I'm not going to show, share a number or a quantification of the vasanas of all of those connected to them. So, I'll share this in a negative way. Imagine I'm a shady business person and I have all of these debts connected with various companies I'm with and then I file for bankruptcy. Nobody can get anything from me, correct? So all of my partners, they don't have to pay as much debt because I've just filed for bankruptcy or if I die, then you can't take money from me. I hope that example worked. <laughs> the point is that you're lightening the load <laughs> of those who are related to you so instead of massaging someone's foot, instead of taking them on a cruise, get rid of your own vasanas because you will burn their vasanas also. So Rishi Kapila enlightens his mother and leaves with her and all of us Kapila Upadesha or Kapila Gita. And finally is the Dharma Avatara. A Dharma Avatara is one who is not different than us, is someone who lives in society like us, but does so with cheer and contentment. Bhagavan Rama, Bhagavan Krishna, they are Dharma Avatars from start to finish. All that they do teaches us how to think teaches us how to make decisions, especially with difficult ones like, later on I'll explain to all, Prince Arjuna is like a surgeon when it comes to this war. If I develop a cancerous growth, I will have to go to the hospital and they, a surgeon will have to cut out that cancerous growth. That surgeon is hurting my body, but is not harming Vivek. Duryodhana and the Kauravas are like cancer. But they're not a small cancer in my muscle or my thigh. They're a cancer that's throughout society. Generations. And Prince Arjuna is that surgeon that has to go in there and cut all of this out. And if he doesn't do so, then he is being a criminal and a coward, just like 
if I go to a hospital and someone refuses to look at me, in America that may be okay, but in Canada that's not okay. <laughs> they have to treat me. <laughs> and if they don't, then there will be legal implications. There will be criminal implications. So, when Bhagavan Krishna tells Prince Arjuna, follow your dharma, he only knows what to think. If I shoot an arrow, that means I'm harming someone. Bhagavan Krishna has to teach him how to think. If you don't shoot your arrow, you will not just be harming some people, you will be harming an entire I don't even want to use the word Bharat Varsha. Sorry, society. Bharat Varsha is from Indonesia all the way to Iraq, to Iran. All of these geographical areas and populations would be affected. So when we have such tough and difficult and subtle decisions to make, what would the wise do? What would Bhagavan Rama do right now? What would Bhagavan Krishna do right now? What would any dharma avatara do? And they're all around us. What would Swami Vivekananda do? What would Devi Sharada do? What would Ananda Mahima do? What would Swami Chinmayananda do? Let's chant together. Tadvidhi pranipatena pariprashnena sevaya upadekshanti te jnanam this is very much like Tatpadam Darshitam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. The Guru Shisha Prampara is as if come from above, come to us, and they know how to go back above. Darshitam Darshinaha. If you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com slash cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.